Please, 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 if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John uh, chapter 17. Uh, if you have your smartphone, uh, whip that out and go to the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, download the Version Bible app. It's a great Bible app, uh, and you can follow along. Um, I said last week that we were starting a three-week-long sermon, uh, and tonight uh, we are following suit by uh, doing the second part of this sermon. Uh, the sermon title, if you remember last week, if you were here, or if this is your first week with us, uh, or you missed last week, the sermon title that we're going with and that we're running with is The True Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys have ever heard of The Lord's Prayer before? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is uh, something that throughout history has been given the title of The Lord's Prayer, but really it should be given the title of The Disciples' Prayer. We're going to look at actually what Jesus prayed when Jesus prays here in John 17. Um, but there was a movie that came out. I, I, I love movies, you guys. Like, I really, really like movies. And there's this movie that came out. It was kind of a remake uh, of an older movie. How many of you guys have heard of the movie Logan's Run? It's an old movie from like the 70s. Okay, it's a good one. It's a really good one. If you haven't seen it, uh, go rent it. I don't think it's on Netflix, but but it's a great movie. You should watch it. Or you can just watch like the 2005, 2006, I think, remake of it called The Island. Anyone ever see The Island before? It's got a young Scar Joe in it, uh, Scar Johansson, and it's got uh, Ewan McGregor. People are like, Scar Joe, what's that? Uh, no, uh, Ewan McGregor, you guys know who Ewan McGregor is? He played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the new Star Wars movies and, and just like cool guy. It's a great movie, and it's, it's about these people, uh, really, really rich people, uh, are able to make clones of themselves, and the clones are at this facility uh, that uh, harvests the clones and grows the clones and everything. They live their lives, they think they're normal people, and then like sometimes there's like a random drawing and they get to go to the island. Well, I'm not going to give you the spoiler alerts, because there's some hardcore spoilers in this movie, so please go watch the island. It's great. But at one point, because these clones, they're not fully human, uh, one of the clones escapes, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that much, uh, and, and he's out, and he's talking with this guy who's a human, and they're talking about this doctor, and he says, the doctor says to the clone, he goes, yeah, this doctor and all doctors, they all have a god complex, and the clone says, what's a god? The guy goes, wait, you've never heard of a god before? Like, you, you pray to God. He's like, no, I've never heard of a god before, and so the doctor then goes on to tell him, he says, God is kind of like, you know when you close your eyes and you like wish for something, well, God's the one who ignores you. And, 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 and as crazy as that is, uh, uh, that, that's kind of telling about uh, what culture and, and, and maybe people, many people, maybe you, uh, think of when you think of God. He's the big guy up in the sky uh, who just ignores your prayers and doesn't hear you when you're praying. Uh, but here's the reality. Uh, God hears all our prayers, uh, and, and, and not a one of our prayers falls by the wayside. God hears every single prayer. We know in God's Word in, in Psalms chapter 10, verse 17, and in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23, both these verses, they tell and they talk about how God hears our prayers, uh, and, and, and He listens to us when we speak. Whether we are angry, whether we're sad, whether we're humble, whether we're just doing life, God hears us and he listens to us when we pray. Uh, but what's cool about John 17 uh, is we get to look at uh, God himself in, the, uh, in, in Jesus uh, praying. So we get to look and we get to see really what heaven's heart is and what the prayer is uh, that Jesus prays here in John 17. Last week, we looked at what Jesus prayed for himself in the first part. 
uh, of the message. In this part, we're going to look at what Jesus prayed for when he prayed for the disciples. So if you have your Bibles, we're in John 17. We're going to read uh, chapter 17, verse 6. We're going to read through verse 19, then we're going to dive in. This is what it says. Picking up in verse 6. I have manifested your name to men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them and have known surely that I come forth from you, and they have believed that you have sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have given me, I have kept, and none of them have I lost, except the son of perdition, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their, for their sake... I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by truth. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. Uh, God, we pray that in these next few moments, God, as we look at what your perfect word uh, God has to say, God, we pray that you would just speak to us by the truth uh, that is in your word. God, for each and every single one of us who are here, God, that we would just be uh, impacted and encouraged by what your word has to say. Uh, God, I pray that tonight none of these would be my words, but God, you would speak through. Uh, God, that your perfect word uh, God, would be revealed, and God, that we would just get a look at really what your heart was for us, God, as you prayed for us. So, God, we just thank you. God, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name. Jesus Christ, said, amen. Amen. So, um, there's a few things uh, that I really want to point out uh, tonight in this message. Three points. If you're taking notes, the title, again, uh, is the true Lord's Prayer. But we're going to look at some of the points that Jesus prays for. Uh, and he prays about some very specific things uh, in this portion of Scripture. The first one of those things is Jesus prays uh, about his disciples uh, that they would be in the Word. So the first one is that they would be in the Word. And, and so we see verse 6, it says this, uh, And they have kept your word. Jump down to verse 8, and it says, For I have given them your words, which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known that I come from you. Uh, it's important for us to understand God's Word. I told you guys last week, and we talked a little bit last week, about the importance of God's Word, and I said I would talk more about that uh, this week. God's Word should be paramount to each and every single one of us. Uh, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, being a Christian, you need God's Word. Uh, not only do you need to just have a Bible, um, you need to be in God's Word. You need to study God's Word. You need to read God's Word. You need to let God's Word uh, really saturate your life, every part of it. Now, is reading God's Word, is being in God's Word, is that necessary to salvation? No. We're not saved by works. We're not saved by reading God's Word. We're saved by Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. But 
if we are going to be uh, people who are effective for the Lord, we need to be in God's word. I've heard it said put this way, uh, uh, that uh, just as the word is not for salvation, but it enhances our life as believers. Uh, let's say, uh, for, for, for anyone who is like an athlete in the room, you're on the team, okay, and, and, and you've got a position. But you're not guaranteed a starting position. You have to do something in order to get the starting position. You have to earn the position. But not only do you have to do that, you, you have to do the work in the weight room. You've got to put in the time. You've you, you got to build the muscle memory. You've got to get the practice. And the same thing for us as Christians. We're not earning our salvation. We already have our salvation. We're on the team. But now to be effective for the Lord, we have to train just like an athlete would train, just like a sprinter would run uh, and, and, and train for sprinting. We, as followers of Christ, we need to train ourselves to be in this world and, and to do life in this world. And the way we do this is by studying God's word and reading what God's word has to say and really finding out what the Lord's heart is as we look at his word. Uh, there's a verse uh, that I think is very important to uh, us as followers of Christ. And it's a verse that you should have underlined in your Bible. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, many of you maybe have this underlined in your Bible already, because I for sure have told people to turn there. If you haven't, no worries. Underline it. Write it down. Underline it when you get home, however you want to do it. But uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, For all Scripture has been given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. God's Word is not just important for us as like the lifeblood that, that, that helps sustain us but it's important for us when we see things come up in this world that uh that, that, that are wrong god's word should be uh the thing that helps correct and we see what's right uh through the lens of god's word it also builds us up in uh in instruction uh it helps correct us and it brings uh reproof so god's word is very important the psalmist uh david he wrote this in psalm 119 105 he said your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path god's word uh should guide us and should illuminate things uh for us that maybe are dark we read god's word and we find uh application and we find truth and god's word is a light to our feet james wrote this uh, in james chapter 1 verse 22 a paraphrase uh, of James 1.22. You can turn there, underline it if you want, write it down. Uh, but, but James 1.22 says, don't just listen to God's word, but do it. Don't just be hearers only, but be doers of God's word. Uh, this is the original Nike right here. Uh, just do it. Uh, don't just read God's word, just do God's word. What God's word has to say, do it. Do it because it's profitable for your life and God's word never returns. Void. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, uh, speaking of his word. He says that my word is to be the foundation, is to be a rock for you, that when things go hard, you can fall back and you can rely on what my words are. We need to be people who know what God's word has to say. And one of the ways we do that is we spend time in God's word and we read God's word. Uh, and so I want to encourage you guys, I'm going to spend probably the next five more minutes giving you some examples in Scripture of why it's important to be in God's Word. But I just want to encourage you guys, make reading God's Word uh, a part of your everyday routine. How many of you guys have an alarm that you wake up at close to the same time every day? Okay. How many of you guys just let the sun wake you up in the morning? Any of you like sleep in until like 11, 12 o'clock because it's summer? Yeah, there we go. All those, okay. School starting soon. You're not going to be able to do that, you guys. Um, but, but I want to encourage you um, because 
You don't have to like be like, okay, I'm going to read God's word now. I have to like set aside an hour a day to become a theologian. No, like like that's probably unrealistic for most people. But I want to encourage you, maybe just five minutes a day, grab a Bible app on your smartphone, and you can. Uh, I think with the Bible app on your smartphone, it already downloads a Bible reading plan. That's a verse of the day. Read one verse a day. Spend five minutes in the morning. Read a verse and pray that God helps you understand what it has to say. And, and start a practice of doing that. And then after a few weeks, maybe spend 10 minutes and read a few more verses. Then maybe a few weeks down the road, start reading a chapter a day. Then maybe you start reading a few chapters every day. But just build the routine of being in God's Word, spending time in God's Word. Because I guarantee you, the more you do that, God's Word tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And you'll find yourself, when situations arise, you begin to speak God's Word rather than your own words. When people ask you questions, you begin to say things that are scripture rather than that are good philosophical ideas. And I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says this, and, and, and Peter echoes it in 1 Peter, but, but it says this, that uh, the grass of the field and the flowers of the field, they wither, but the word of God endures forever. God's word, guys, is timeless. You'll hear some people say, well, yeah, the Bible was written like 2,000 years ago. It doesn't apply to me today. It's got nothing there for me today. Here's the reality, guys. God's word is timeless. Uh, it, it, it's, it's always culturally relevant, and God's word endures forever. It's, it's been here and it's going to keep being here forever. Uh, and, and so I, I want to encourage you guys with that. Uh, Psalm 119, again, uh, it, in verse 9, it says, How does a young man keep his ways pure? And it's be, being established in God's Word. And, and, and what it means to be established in God's Word uh, doesn't mean we just like dabble in God's Word. doesn't mean we just like spend a little bit of time here and there. Uh, when, when people would establish cities in history, it wasn't like you just go set up a few tents and you're like, hey, look, we got a city. That's great. And then you move on. No, no, no. When people would establish cities, they would begin to lay foundation for city halls. They'd build a wall around it. They'd build uh, defense mechanisms. Then they'd begin to build structure and, and, and they'd start making roads. And then people would uh, buy plots of land and they would establish themselves so that uh, down the road in the future, they would have this big, marvelous city. The same is for us in God's Word. We establish ourselves in God's Word so that down the road, when times get hard, we know where our roots are. We are deeply rooted in God's Word. We're told in many places in Scripture that we are to be planted, we are to be rooted in God's Word, like a tree whose roots are deep in God's Word. We talked about that uh, about a month ago, and so I just want to encourage you guys with that. First John also tells us this that uh, in order to overcome the things of this world, uh, we overcome by the power of the Word of God. And so I just want to encourage you guys, when it comes to God's Word, uh, we as followers of Christ, we need to be so deeply rooted and established in God's Word. And this is the very thing that Jesus prayed for His disciples. And if you are a follower of Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus, and you are saying, I am a Christian, I'm following Christ, that makes you a disciple. You are following Christ and learning from his example. And he, and he prays these very things. He says this in verse 17. He says, in praying for us to the Father, he says, Father, sanctify them by your truth, and your word is truth. Jesus prayed that us as followers of Christ would be sanctified, would be made holy, would be uh, made more like the Father through God's word. And so the more we study God's word, the more we become like Jesus, and the more we become like God. Not that we become gods, like some people would teach, but no, 
so that we are more and more each and every single day made into the image of God and we are holy like he is holy. He says uh, in, in, in the New Testament that be holy for I am holy. And so God is calling us to a higher standard. And one of the ways that we do this, a practical application of how we live more for the Lord is we do, like James said in James chapter 1, verse 22, we do what God's word has to say. We don't just hear it. We don't just come on a Sunday morning hear Pastor Dave or, or, or another pastor preach, and then we're like, in one ear, out the other. You don't come on a Tuesday night and you just hear what's being taught, but you actually go do what God's Word has to say, and you put it into a practical application. You say, you know what? God's Word says do this. I'm going to do it. And then I, 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 I just want to encourage you with this. See what God does when you actually are faithful to do what His Word says, because when you are faithful to do what God's Word says, God's faithful in the promises He makes in Scripture. He always, always comes good on it, and he always fulfills. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. But how does someone overcome the world? You overcome the world by the power of God's word. The second point that Jesus prays for his disciples, the, if the first was he prays that they would be in the word, the second point that Jesus prays is he prays that they would be in the world. That they would be in the world. This is what it says in verse 11 of John 17. It says this, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. These being disciples, these being you and I, followers of Christ. For Christians, for many times, and I know when I was younger, uh, this was very popular, and, and it's still very popular today, and it's, a, it's a really an epidemic in Christianity uh, that, that I think needs to be addressed more and more. But it's the importance of Christians not being isolated just to themselves is something uh, that I think gets glossed over all the time. People go to church and they talk about how this is great, you need to be in like fellowship, you need to be in community groups, you need to do this, you need to do this. But the tendency is that the church doesn't talk about actually being in the world. But they seclude themselves into these little church pockets where you're in church every day of the week and you only have church friends, which is great. It's encouraging. It builds us up. But that's not what God's plan was. Here's the thing. If you're not out in the world, you're doing Christianity wrong. If you're not in the world, when I say the world, I'm not saying, oh, if you're on planet Earth, you're doing it. No. If you're not having friends, if you're not having fellowship, if you're not doing community with people who are not Christians, then you're doing Christianity wrong. The church was never meant to be secluded. It was never meant to be isolated. The church was meant to be in the world doing life with people who do not believe the same things that you believe. And we're going to talk about that for just a little bit because I hear this quoted all the time. Uh, and so I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do a little bit of research on this. Uh, how many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, in this world, but not of the world? Or, yeah, yeah, in this world, but not of the world. Does anyone know where in Scripture that is? No, because it's actually not in Scripture. Now, people look at John 17, and like verse 16, where uh, G Jesus says that uh, they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. But, but, but Jesus never says... Be in the world, not of the world. What he's talking about here when he's saying uh, that we are not of the world, what Jesus is referring to in verse 16 is he's saying uh, what Paul says uh, in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, that we are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of earth, but we're citizens of heaven. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're now a citizen of heaven. This world is no longer your home. But it doesn't mean you're not of this world. It means you're of heaven. And I want to just enumerate on that just a little bit more. 
because the word that's used there in, in most of your translations, if you were to turn to uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it would say citizens of heaven. The real breakdown of the Greek that's used there is our conversation should be that of heaven. Now, what does that mean? Like when, when you guys hear our conversation should be of heaven, what does that kind of make you think of? Like we talk and, and, and we should be talking about the things of heaven. Is, 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 that, is that kind of what, nod your head if you think conversation of heaven means talking about heaven. Okay, okay. Very good, because that's what I thought it meant, but I had to do a little bit more digging. Sorry, I was really like fishing for uh, you guys to shake your heads. Yes, that's awesome. But no, what, what conversation in the Greek meant uh, is, is it literally means like your accent. Uh, your accent should be of heaven. How do they talk in heaven? Well, they talk God's word a lot, right? and they sing the praises of God. But here's the thing. Uh, if we were to walk into an airport or if we were to go downtown to food carts, how many of you guys have ever been down to like the big square of all the food carts downtown? There's some really good food carts down there. You got like Mediterranean food, you got like Egyptian food. I think there's like an authentic Polish hot dog stand. Uh, there's some good stuff. What's that? No, oh, Voodoo Donuts is down there. Yeah, there's a bunch of really good stuff down there. But here's the thing. A lot of those people, when you talk to them, you can find out very quickly they're not from Portland, let alone not from the United States. Am I correct? Uh, and how can you tell that they're not from Portland or not from the United States? Yeah, their accent. And, 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 and the way they speak sounds different than the way that we speak. Uh, if you were to go uh, and you were to hear someone uh, speak with a very heavy, I'm not even going to try and do it, uh, but butcher an Australian accent. Uh, uh, but if you hear someone speak with an Australian accent, you know, you know. all right, Dan, you just leaned over and did it. Now you have to do it for everyone. Give us your best Australian accent. No, no, no. Oh, come on, Dan. i got to put you on the spot now. No, no, no. Oh, he got stage right. Come on, Dan. It's all good. It's all good. No, but if you heard someone from Australia speak, you'd know exactly where they were from. And you'd be like, oh, that is an Australian person because of their accent. Here's the thing, guys. The world and people should know that your faith is in Jesus by the way you talk. Your accent should be that of heaven. The things that you talk about, the things that bring you joy should point that, hey, this person is a little bit different than us. He's not from here. He's from somewhere else. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, that they will know us by our fruits. He's not talking about other Christians knowing that you're a Christian by the way you live. He's saying that the world, that non-believers, that non-Christians will know you're a Christian because of the way you live. Jesus' very words in Matthew chapter 28 were, go into the world. Go into the world. He, he, he prays here that God would not pull them out of the world, God would protect them from the evil one, but that they would be in the world. Jesus prayed that you would be in the world. Jesus prayed that you would have friends who are not Christians. Jesus prayed that you would have uh, relationships with people who are not followers of Christ. He, he prayed that you would have relationships and friendships with people who see things differently than we do. It doesn't mean that we agree with them. It doesn't mean that we affirm what they believe as truth. No, we love them, and by our actions, we give them Jesus. We love on people. Now, I had a conversation with someone not that long ago. Uh, and we were talking about different uh, icons and celebrities and, 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 and people uh, of fame. Uh, and, and we were talking, and, and, and this person said that, that someone was a very uh, evil, evil person. And I was like, whoa, okay. First off, you don't know them personally. Uh, but here's the thing. Is it a bad thing for Christians 
to be around people who are non-Christians. And this person was like, well, if, if they're influencing and, and, and if hanging out with them makes people think that you are with them, uh, then yeah, it's a bad thing. And I was like, well, I understand the influencing side of things, but if we are not with people who are not Christians, then we are doing something wrong because God has called us to go into places where there are people who have not put their faith in Jesus. And, and, and so what I said to this person, I said, well, when was the last time, when was the last time uh, you took the time to rather than talk about all the bad this person does and, 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 and all the bad that's said about this person in the media, when was the last time you prayed for him? Like, well, I've never prayed for him. Well, before we start talking bad about people who aren't Christians, let's pray for him, right? And then let's spend time actually getting to know people uh, who, who don't have uh, the same beliefs as us. And we love on them with our actions. And we let them know very clearly we love them. We don't waver in our faith. We don't waver in the things that we believe. But we love on them and we spend time with them. Because the only way that people are truly going to be able to have relationship with us is by spending time and by building trust. And, and, and here's the thing that, 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 that I've always seen it put, and, and I think it's the greatest way. We let them tell them like, like, like their story to us. Uh, and, and when we build the trust and they build the trust by them being able to share their story, we can share our story. And if God has been a part of our life, then his story is going to come through our story. But what we got to realize is it's not a us versus them mentality. It can't be those in the church versus those outside the church. Because, no, we all inhabit this world together and we're all to be living life together. We're not to pull ourselves out. We're not to separate ourselves. Jesus prayed that we would be in this world, that we would be in this world, but that we would be a light in this world and that we would be sharing his love, not condemnation. Here's the thing that I think is really cool, uh, and, and, and this is going to lead us into our third point. Jesus not only prayed that we would be in uh, the word, he did not only pray that we would be in the world, but he prayed that we would be doing work. Doing work. And what is the work that Jesus prayed? He says this in verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. Just as Jesus was sent in the world. Why was Jesus sent to the world? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But what does the very next verse say? It says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. We as followers of Christ, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 28, that we're to go into the world and tell people about Jesus. And we're not to go into the world to condemn people. We're not to go into the world to bring people down. We're not to go into the world to tell people, hey, the way you're doing things is wrong. You need to change. The projector changed behind me. That's creepy. Uh, and, and, and we were not told in any way to go and tell people that uh you are, are evil, I'm going to separate myself from you, blah, 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 blah. No, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came so that through me the world would be saved. Our job is not to bring correction and, and condemnation. Our job is to bring them Jesus and then allow the Holy Spirit to bring the correction. Allow God's word, as it said in Second Timothy, to bring the correction, to bring the reproof. It's not our job. We allow God to do that. And, and, and because Jesus himself said, I didn't come to condemn. I came that people through me would have life. And so our job and our purpose as followers of Christ is to bring the world Jesus and that through Jesus the world might be saved. Uh, Jesus said some very uh, profound things uh, in, in, in this prayer uh, that, that is known as the Upper Room Discourse. And, and, and Jesus is praying here. But another famous portion where Jesus is doing some talking and some instructing 
uh, is a portion in Matthew that takes place in the first few chapters of Matthew. Maybe you've heard of it, but it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Anyone ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount before? Okay, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's a portion of Scripture where Jesus says some very profa- profound things. We've already quoted at least three times from Matthew chapter 7, which is dead in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. But a few chapters later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this really important thing to his disciples. And he says, hey, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ripe. But the workers are few. The workers are few. Uh, and what Jesus was saying to his disciples, he says, hey, the world is ready to hear about me. The world is ready to hear my name. The, ready, the world is ready for the gospel. But here's the thing. There's not enough people to go tell the world. And so Jesus called his disciples and commissioned them to go into the world, be the workers. And Jesus prayed not only for his disciples there in John 17, 2,000 years ago, to be doing work, but he's praying for us to be doing work also. And God has a specific assignment for each and every single one of us. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are on assignment for the Lord. And what does that mean? It means that we have work to do. How do we get prepared for that work? Well, one, we have to be in the world because that's where the work is. We can't be an effective follower of Christ if we're not in the world because we're not going to be doing the work that Jesus has sent us here to do. And also, how do we become an effective worker in the world? We have to know what God's Word has to say. So does that mean, well, then we don't go until we know everything, until we have a master's in theology and we're ready to go? No. Here's the thing. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Awesome. Tell that story. And let people know what God has done in your life. Read God's Word. Find out more of the truths of of why what is happening is happening. And, and, And really spend time to figure out what God would have for you in his word for someone else in the world as you're doing his work. Amen? Amen. Okay, so some things tonight. Some things tonight. Uh, number one is this. As followers of Christ, Jesus prayed. It's not like it's Pastor Matt's encouragement. Jesus prayed that as a follower of Christ, you would be in the word. So I want to encourage you guys, just as I think Jesus would encourage you guys, be people who read God's word. Find out what God's word has to say. Number two, Jesus prayed that we would be in the world. If you're someone who's secluded yourself, all you have is church friends, you don't have anyone that you're hanging out with in the real world, and I say real world, we break the church bubble and we're out in the world. Uh, Jesus prayed that we'd be out in the world. So let's have relationships. Let's have friendships. Let's build a relationship with people and build trust with people that we can reach and that we can share Jesus with in the world. And lastly, Jesus prayed uh, that we would be doing his work. And his work was not to condemn, but his work was to come and save. You don't do the saving, but you introduce people to the person who can do the saving. And if Jesus has done a work in your life, then go share that and see what Jesus does in other people's lives. Amen? Awesome, awesome. Well, let's pray. Before we pray, though, I want to give you guys the opportunity. Um, And if if you don't have any, if there's no questions, no worries. Um, But I, I told myself... Uh, a few weeks ago that, that, that I'd save some room at the end just for some discussion uh, because with the summer ending, people going back to school, we're going to have a smaller group, so we're going to have more opportunity to have dialogue and discussion. So um, I, w- I want to give a little plug for that. Uh, next week, we're going to be in the last bit of John 17. That's verses 20 through 26. Read it. Read it a few times this week. And maybe write down a question or two that you have. But do any of you guys have maybe a question uh, or a comment or maybe an example of anything that we talked about tonight? Uh, if that's happened in your life, if, 
you've been someone who maybe had secluded yourself, but now God's been encouraging you to get back into the world and, and to share his love in the world. Does, does anyone have any questions, any maybe things for discussion that we've talked about tonight? Um, away from certain people or certain situations and just because um, you kind of feel out of place or nervous or whatever it may be and that fear is all just a lie and when you um, like you just need to know that God's going to give you words to speak when you need to speak them and he's going to like guide the situation he has those uh, intentions with your situation and there's no fear to put this yourself in the world because you have God with you. And I think it's easy to get caught in the fear or anxiety or just uh, scared of a situation or um, just not knowing what to say. But just when you trust the Lord and know that he's got his hand in it, there's, like, it's just kind of a mindset. You need to know that God is with you. He promises that. And it's true. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jesus says that, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So, yeah, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. Um, someone else got something. I thought of this when Dan was saying this. But but on that second point about being in the world, here's the sad thing about Christianity. Here's the sad thing about the church. Is, is that the church is really good about, like, beating itself up and beating up. Like, Christians are good about beating up Christians. And so so often when you actually step out and do what God has called you to do, which is to go into the world, uh, there are going to be people in the church who are like, man, what are you doing? You, you're like falling away. You're going back to your old ways. Oh, uh, you're, you're, you're no longer a Christian. Oh, look at you. You're a sinner. You're hanging out with sinners. Here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. Because the church says this a lot. That's the very same thing people were saying about Jesus. Because who was Jesus hanging out with? Jesus was hanging out with the sinners. Jesus was hanging out with the tax collectors. Jesus was considered by those who were in religious authority around him to be a wine-bibber and a glutton. That means he was someone who was hanging out with all the people who were drunk and, and the first century stoners. Like, that's who Jesus was hanging out with. He, he, he wasn't participating by any means, but he was loving on, and he was being around them, and he was sharing the truth. He was sharing light. And here's the thing. Some of the greatest leaders of the first century church, some of Jesus' disciples, were those very same first century stoners, first century junks, first century sinners, because God did something in their life because Jesus was hanging out with them. He went outside the four walls of what was then the synagogue, but now his church. He went outside the church, and he said, hey, I'm going to share love to the people that the church doesn't share love to. And, and the church is supposed to share love to, but the church doesn't. Let's be people who go outside the church and love on people where they're at and give them Jesus and see what God does to them. Awesome. Someone else got something? Going once, going twice. Awesome. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truths that are in your word. Uh, God, we thank you that we have an opportunity uh, to, to, to really see, uh, God, the, the desires of your heart. Uh, God, as you poured your heart out through Jesus uh, as, as he was praying for his followers. Uh, God, I pray that we would be people, uh, God, who are of your word, who are in your word. Uh, God, that we spend time meditating on your word. God, that your word would impact our lives. God, I pray that we would be people who don't seclude ourselves in our little Christian communes and be okay, but God, that we would be people who go out into the world, uh, God, to bring light to darkness. Uh, and God, that in doing so, God, we would begin to see the darkness uh, shrink, God, as your light shines. 
Uh, God, that we would be people uh, who are about our Father's business, who we will be doing the work, uh, God, that you have commissioned us and sent us to do. Uh, God, and that, that is not to condemn, but God, that is to uh, bring you and to bring your love. So God, I just pray for each and every single one of us in this room. Uh, God, for those who, who have been followers of Christ for a long time, for those who have been followers of Christ uh, for a short time, God, for those who are maybe even thinking about being a follower of Christ or contemplating what it means, who is this Jesus? God, I pray for each and every single one of us. Uh, God, that you by your spirit would just impact us. Uh, God, that you would fill us up. Uh, God, and that you, uh, God, just by your power and the only power uh, that, 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 that is the greatest power, God, that, that, that you would just encourage us, embolden us uh, to be people uh, who are about you and who bring you everywhere we go. So, God, we just thank you. Go with us as we go from this place. God, and in everything we do, may we seek to bring honor and to bring glory to you. So, God, we praise you. God, we love you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.